Hello, and welcome to Season 3, Episode 10, Walls Come Tumbling Down Christian Bible Podcast. I hope you enjoy. Walls fall in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It's so good to just thank God, to just say thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. To say the words out loud. Say the words. Let the words pass out of your lips. Bring your flesh under subjection to the praise of God, the sacrifice of praise continually. Say it out loud. Say, praise you, Father God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for you are good, for your mercy is from everlasting to everlasting. He's so merciful. He's so good. He's so mighty. He lifts us up. When we are weak, he is strong. He is our king. He is our guide. He protects us. Even when we don't know that he's protecting us, he's protecting us. We can't always see afar off, but he always has everything in his sight. There's nothing too hard for our God. There's nothing impossible to our King. He's, he, he died for us. He shed his blood for us. He loves us with an everlasting love. And nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. Not height, nor depth, nor things to come, nor principalities, nor powers. Romans 8. As it is written, verse 36, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, hallelujah, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, 
nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are loved deeply, richly. God created us with a purpose. And if you're listening to this, God has a purpose for your life. He has a unique and specific plan of action that he wants to take in your body. There is a specific will just for you, a walk that God has purposed intimately between you and him. And no man can take you out of his hand. No man can hinder the work that God is doing in your life. He doesn't want you to look at the circumstances. He doesn't want you to listen to what people say if they're speaking against the call that God has on your life. God has a call for you. He has called you and chosen you. And he wants you to stand up and worship him and serve him in the beauty of his holiness and the spirit of the Lord in truth. He wants you to be a true worshiper where you're not focused on the right or on the left, where you're not paying attention to how it looks, but you're walking by faith, by faith that God has chosen you, by faith that he will take care of you from now to eternity, by faith that he is able to keep that which you have committed to him, your heart, your mind, He's able to keep you from falling. He's able to keep you from sin, from hatred, from bitterness, from anger. Only the love of God that is in you, that is shed abroad in your hearts, is able to keep you from hating your enemies. Only Jesus Christ is able to lighten a dark path. You know, sometimes I feel like the Bible is poetry, and there are books in the Bible that are considered poetry. And it's the most beautiful poetry that we'll ever know or ever hear because it talks specifically about the truth of the human condition and our relation to God, our Adamic nature, the fact that we are all born in sin, shapen in inequity. We are slaves to sin, slaves to our trespasses against God, slaves to this flesh, this evil flesh that we live in, which is not going to inherit the kingdom of God at all. And that's why we're going to put off this flesh, this body of death, this body of corruption. And we're going to put on a new body, a glorified body, a body that is, belongs to God, a body that is in God, that cannot be taken from God. We are going to be like Jesus. We will see him like he is. And we have to have that hope in us. And as we do have that hope in us, we purify ourselves just as he is pure. He makes us right. He upholds us with his right hand. He is our righteousness. And the changes that we go through are changes that come specifically from him and us. It doesn't matter how we try to change ourselves. It doesn't matter if other people see you changed or not. And the only change that really sustains is the change that comes from God. Where God looks at you and says, I changed that. I healed that. I fixed that. I plucked that up 
I tore that down. I cast that away. I build. I plant. I caused growth. I gave the increase. This is the change that sustains us. This is what means. This is what shows us that we're saved. This is what shows us that we belong to God. This is what causes us to be grateful and to be joyful. Mm. Hallelujah. It's that water from heaven that washes us clean, that comes directly from the mouth of God, from the throne of God into our spirits. That's the word that we live by. Man does not live by bread alone. No, we don't. But we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And he loves us. And he loves to speak to us. He loves to keep us. He loves to heal us. He will always, always, always make a way for us. Always. He'll never, ever not make a way for us. He just wants us to believe him. Mm, we have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ so we can be saved. He says, doubt him and we'll be damned. But if we believe him, then we speak about him. If we believe him, then he consumes our day with joy, with laughter, with gladness. He consumes us in the midst of our worries, in the midst of the things that go wrong. We know and believe that God is for us. And we've got the proof. Because He is the one. He's the one that does it. Hallelujah. Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 25 then will I sprinkle clean water upon you and you shall be clean from all your filthiness and from all your idols I will cleanse you a new heart also will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and ye shall keep my judgments and do them that's the change that god does in us he does the change that causes us to walk in his ways and we have to pray and cry out to the lord and as much control as we have we have to give it over to the holy spirit and say holy spirit i give you control in this area this area that i'm lacking in this area that I feel I failed in, this area that's proven me to be a failure, I give it to you. And I trust in you, oh God, by your blood, by your righteousness, that you will make this right. That you will heal me in this area, oh God. That you will uphold me with the right hand of your righteousness because you are my savior, you are my king. And I trust in you. We must trust the Lord. We must trust the Lord. We must remember that the Lord is for us. He's for us. He's for us. 
And we have to trust him. We have to believe him. And it's not even that we have to. It's that we get to. We get to trust him. We get to believe him. We get to walk with him and talk with him. We get to participate in the work that he's doing with us because this is a personal one-on-one relationship with us and our Father. And he is our God and we are his people. And it's a beautiful thing to be able to take part in this. That God would even speak to us or reveal himself to us at all. But that he not only does that, but he loves us so much. It's only his glorious love that carries us through. In his love, he went to the cross. In his love, he gave us the Holy Spirit. Don't you feel loved by God? Don't you know that God loves you? That he's giving us every breath that we breathe. That he's able to subdue us even from the most sinful places. He is able. If you got breath in your body right now, know that God loves you. That he is able. He's able to do it all to save you despite yourself. He's able to save you, but you just have to be willing. Isaiah says, if you be willing and obedient, then shall you eat the good of the land. We have to be willing and obedient. And then we'll be able to eat the good of the land. But then he also says that if we refuse and rebel, then we will be devoured with the edge of the sword for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. And that's why it's so good to constantly be putting ourselves in remembrance of the gospel, to constantly be listening with our ear to the Holy Spirit waiting to see what the Lord will say to us. What word does he have to say to us? What thing is he going to whisper to us? What command? What correction? What calling? Because no matter what he says, it's always going to call us close to him. Whenever we listen to the Holy Spirit, it will always bring us closer to the Father. Mm, Sweet Jesus. Father, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for your plans, O God, which are not our plans. Your ways, Lord Jesus, which are not our ways. Your thoughts, Father God, which are not our thoughts. Lord, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you, Father God, for your precious blood, Lord Jesus, that causes us to be made nigh. We who once were afar off. I thank you, Lord, for the gifts that you give, Lord Jesus, for the healing, Lord God, for your presence, Father God, which comforts us in our times of trouble. Father, may every listener to this be comforted, Lord, by the knowledge of your love, by the knowledge of your Holy Spirit protecting us, Lord. Thank you for living inside of your people. Thank you for loving your bride, Lord. Thank you for calling us your bride and giving us such a high honor And thank you, Father God, that we should be called the sons of God, the children of God, the peacemakers. It's a beautiful thing that you've done for us, O God. I pray that you give us understanding, give us knowledge, give us wisdom. Give us fear of you, Lord Jesus. Oh, you are good and your mercy is from everlasting to everlasting. There is no God like you. And I thank you, Father God, 
Oh, I thank you, Lord. I ask that you bless this episode. Lord Jesus, do your will, O God. Father, allow there to be only your spirit that speaks, not mine. And uh, shut the thoughts up that are in the head of the listener that aren't from you. Shut them up. Let every thought be taken in captive. Taken captive by your spirit, Lord, and what you're going to do. Give me strength and allow, Lord Jesus Christ, for your anointing to continue to flow, Lord. But pour out your presence more, Lord. There's nothing sweeter than your spirit, O God. And I thank you, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, please say with me, amen. And amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Mm, I'm so grateful to the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Well, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, and welcome to another episode of Walls Come Tumbling Down Christian Bible Podcast. I am your host, your encouraging brother, Preach. And, uh, you know, as always, I'm going to say it, it is good to be back. It's good to be in the service of the Lord. There was a song that went, I'm glad to be in service, boom, boom, boom. I'm glad to be in service, so one more time. Because you know what? We'd never know. Uh, tomorrow's not promised to anybody. It's not promised. And nothing really is ever as it seems. And so things don't go always the way that we think that they should go. They don't always play out the way that we think that they should play out. And... Um, it won't always look how we think it's supposed to look. And that's why we have to just give thanks to God. And we have to say, if the Lord wills, we shall do this or we shall do that. Uh, you know, but we never know if the Lord is going to allow us to live longer, if the Lord is going to allow us to have uh, causes to have short lives, you know, uh, and and uh, the Lord, we don't we don't know. And we don't fret not knowing because we have we know Jesus. We know God. There's a song that says, I know not what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. It's a secret known only to him. And amen. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm full of joy tonight. I am full of joy. I'm full of joy. I'm full of gratitude for what God is doing. I'm full of gratitude for his precious love that he has for us. I'm feeling really, really, really loved by God. Uh, and I'll tell you why. It's because of his Holy Spirit. There is nothing that will make you feel more loved or more close to God than the Holy Spirit. Not blessings, not uh, a good church service, not uh, friends, not a uh, family, not a lover, not uh, nothing. Nothing will be a substitute for the person who has tasted the things of God, nothing can substitute that. That's why sometimes if I go to a church or I, you know, go somewhere and the Spirit of the Lord is just not there, and no matter how animated they are or no matter how, you know, excited or how involved or engaged the congregation is, if it's a fleshly or, you know, order of things, then it'll be flesh. That'll be visible to the spiritual eye. You see, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. But the spiritual man is judging all things. 
You know, he that is spiritual judges all things. But it says he himself is judged of no man. Uh, but, you know, when you're spiritual, you can tell. And he that is spiritual is biblical. He that is spiritual is he that is biblical. When a person is spiritual, they are scriptural. The Lord is the spirit. The spirit is in the word. Do you understand? Jesus said the words that I speak unto you, those words that Jesus speaks, that the Holy Spirit speaks, those words are spirit and they are life. And so our natural man, no matter how polished or how, uh, you know, polished or, you know, prepped for the job, you know, uh, there's people who go to seminary school. I didn't go to biblical Bible school. And, um, you know, but there's neither did Jesus. But there's people who do and the scholars. So no matter how you are in that regard, uh, the natural part of you, if it's natural, if it is flesh, okay, then there is no spirit of God able to get through to people because it's not in the flesh that we're preaching. We're supposed to be preaching by the spirit of God. The words that we preach can't be our own words. They have got to be in 100% submission and agreement to the Spirit of God. The Bible says in second, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, it says, but the natural man, okay, and this would be a good idea to get your Bible out and see if I'm lying to you or not, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Uh, so your carnal mind, your carnal reasoning, your carnal understanding are not going to be able to receive the things of God. Your carnal natural self is damned as the Pharisees and their carnal natural self were damned and that they did not receive Jesus. The Pharisees had Jesus, the living God, standing right in front of them and they did not receive the words from his mouth. They didn't receive him at all because they're in their flesh. The natural man is in opposition to the things of, the, uh, of God. So he says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, because if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. Friendship of the world, love of the world, uh, these worldly desires that live inside of our flesh from us being in the world, being given over to those desires, you are pushing away and resisting the things of God. You'll find them boring. You'll be disinterested in seeking after the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You won't want to tolerate the things of the Lord because the flesh and the spirit are in opposition one to another. They oppose. The devil opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, all that is the Lord. The devil is always trying to exalt himself above the knowledge of God in your mind. He is the high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And it's always in direct opposition to God. So even if you try to preach a message or you try to do something, if the spirit of the Lord, if you're not in sync and in tune with God's presence to be able to allow the Lord to move in and through you. Allow his presence to edify you and the hearer. It has to be the presence of God that does the building. God is the one who gives the increase, not us. Not clever words. Not fancy puffed up speech. 
And you know what? I'm going to go into this and then I'm going to go back to what I was just saying. Uh, verse in first Corinthians chapter one, for Christ sent me not to baptize, but the preach the, but to preach the gospel. This is chapter one, verse 17, not with words of, uh, not with wisdom of words, not with a whole bunch of wise sayings or a clever way of me to put my words together. Or, you know, if I make myself sound more scriptural or biblical, you know, I'm very enunciated when I speak. And I'm uh, careful also because I'm a singer. So speaking into the microphone, I'm able to speak from my diaphragm. And I also want to be very, very, very clear about the message of the Lord because the Lord is clear about his word. He's so detailed and he cares so much to make sure that we hear every single bit of it. And he cares so much to make sure that we get the whole entire picture. Jesus is the beginning and he is the ending. He is all and all. Okay, he is all consuming. He is a consuming fire. And it is up to us to get on the altar when we see it. When we're presented with the word of God, when we're presented with the biblical uh, foundation on which we stand, when the word of God is presented to us and the spirit of God is present, then the altar will appear. We'll begin to see our heart. We'll begin to see what needs to be laid at the feet of Jesus. We'll begin to see what parts of our life are not laid at the feet of Jesus. All right? And when that happens, then we need to climb upon the altar. We need to come to God from that place that he reveals to us. If he says, look at you, you bitter in your heart. Look at all that bitterness you got. Or he says, look at you hating. You hate your brother. Look at you hating. You hate your brother. You hate her. And you're a hater. You're a hater, and he doesn't tolerate that hater because the Lord is not a hater. The Lord is a uh, captain. He is a winner. The Lord is a winner, and he likes to, uh, you know, showcase. He made a show. He made a show of them openly, triumphing over it. You know, the Lord was speaking to, uh, talking, and just telling me, just ministering to my heart and putting words in my mouth. And sometimes people will take your joy in God to be pride. You know, they might look at you and see you and say, oh, he's so prideful. Look at him. He's trying to do this. And he's trying to do that. And he's trying to do this. And he's trying to do that. You're right. I'm trying to do all those things uh, because you know what? I want to do as much as I can for Jesus. Hallelujah. I want to do as much as I can for Jesus. And if somebody comes along and they can do it better, like if I try and sing something, I can't sing that good. But if I try and sing it and, uh, you know, if nobody else is going to sing, then I'm going to sing to the Lord because the Bible tells me to sing to the Lord and not to be ashamed. You know what I mean? Uh, if I if nobody's there to do it, I'm going to do it. And then when somebody comes along that's better, that's called to that office, then I'm going to get out of the way and um, glorify God and, and be so happy that somebody uh, somebody's called to this office. That's like drums. I used to love the drums. I used to love to play the drums. But then I uh, we had a worship service and I tried to play the drums because nobody was there to play them. And uh, I broke the spirit of God. You know, the Holy Spirit is like a dove and, you know, we got to stay in the spirit and not walk against the spirit. And, you know, I was playing and I was playing wrong and it was just really out of the spirit of God. It was just killing the whole everything and exalting the drum. And it was just a lot. And I just kept it up. And but after that, the Lord was like, don't you get back on the drums anymore. <laughs> and I haven't really wanted to play the drums at all. I actually sat on the drums the other day and I just kind of sat behind them and just, you know touched him for a minute but uh 
and was like, oh yeah, I remember I used to like these. Now I, I don't want to, because I'm not called to the drums. It's not my office. I don't want to do something that the spirit of God's not going to be involved because I want my body, my flesh, I want myself to be in subjection to the spirit of God. I don't want to go there if Jesus isn't there. If the spirit of God is not there, I don't want to be there. I don't want to waste my time. And if the spirit, if I go someplace and the spirit of God is not there, then I'm going to cry out loudly for the spirit of God to be there. I'm going to start begging God. Oh, Lord, please come here. Lord Jesus, please. Oh, Lord, this church service is dry and dead. But I need you to speak to me right now. Oh, God, speak to your people. Oh, Lord, I'm crying for your presence. And it's good to call out to the Lord. How bad do you want the Lord? Are you comfortable with the Lord not speaking at a church service? Are you comfortable with Jesus not showing up? You're good enough going through the motions. That's arrogance. That's pride right there. It's thinking that you don't need, not being desperate for God's word. That's the most arrogant thing you could possibly be. That's the arrogant places. You're not desperate to hear the word of God. What's wrong with you? You know, what is your deal? Do you even, do you, what's that thing? Do you even lift? Are you even saved? I don't think you're saved if you're not desperate to hear the word of God. You might be fleeing from the wrath to come like the hypocrites did oh you generation of vipers who have warned you to flee from the wrath to come that's all you're doing it's fleeing from the wrath to come but you're not saved you don't love the lord jesus christ you know you don't look for his appearing oh you don't pray to him all the time and say lord i pray that i will be found of you lord jesus whether it be at the end of my life uh paul said whether by life or by my death I, christ will be magnified in my body and so lord your word will be exalted in my body i will be in subjection to you i'll be waiting for you and so lord i'm calling out i'm crying i want to be diligent of you that i may be found by you in peace not having my own righteousness, uh, which is by the law, but the righteousness of God through faith. And I'm just so grateful right now for God and his mercy. I'm so grateful. Because when you realize that Jesus loves us the way he loves us, that he has created this for us to walk in, and all we really have to do is be available to God. All we have to do is be available to the Lord. And we can't let ourselves be taken away from our availability to God. And sin will do that. Satan will do that. Will take you out of the place where you're waiting for the things of God. It'll take you out of the place where you're available for Jesus. To just pour out a spirit on you any time of the day and tell you who to pray for. And tell you, uh, you know, where you're supposed to go. What you're supposed to do. The Lord will tell us stuff like that all the time. You know, he, and I, I, I'm getting better at it in the name of Jesus, uh, but I'm getting better at, you know, when the Holy Spirit tells me to do something, I just do it. And sometimes it's very practical stuff, but because you never know what God's plan is for something. You know, I was going to meet up with, I was supposed to get somebody, meet with them at, at our church and uh, I didn't see him. And they said the meeting was going to be at a certain time. And I, I, you know, it was like 15 minutes before that time and they weren't there. And it wasn't like a set in stone for sure thing. It was just, you know, it was all kind of up in the air. So I was like, yeah, I want to go home. I'm tired. And so sure enough, uh, I was about to go away and then go do something else. But then the Lord was like, wait. He told me to wait, wait until the, wait until this time. And I was like, well, Lord, amen. So then I just, you know, I turned around and went back and waited. And when I went back and looked, there the guy was. 
And so I was able to go ahead and be obedient to the Lord, but I didn't know that he would be there, but he was there. I was ready to go, but I prayed and I surrendered my own will to the Lord's and blah, blah. My point is the, the Lord will have us in little spaces like that, okay? It's little by little things. It's little spaces. And he doesn't want us to be legalistic as if, you know, our own obedience or something means that, you know, that that all this, it all stands, it all depends on us. No, this does not all depend on us. This depends on Jesus. But get in the game. Otherwise, you're not in the game. You see, it depends on the changes that the Lord is working in your life, folks. And it's not about the outside thing. It's about the inside thing. He wants truth in the inward parts. He wants himself in the inward parts. It has to be the Lord Jesus Christ, the real sound doctrine, Bible-based Lord Jesus, not the fleshly Jesuses or the false Christs that are out there that are rising up. Uh, let you do whatever you want. It's got to be the real Jesus. It's got to be real Holy Spirit. So let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17. For Christ sent me not to baptize. I'm not doing this outward thing. I'm not just going to do this outward motion. This isn't what the Lord wants me to do. He wants, he wants me to convince people by the Spirit of God. He wants me to die out to myself and let him save people. For Christ sent me not to baptize uh, this outward thing, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made none effect. You make it sound so wise and, you know, eloquent and so special and blah, blah, blah. Lest the cross of Christ be without effect. Because we got to remember that people are dead in their sins and trespasses and the gospel being preached to them wakens them up. You know, the seed of the Lord goes into them and wakes them up, okay? It causes them to become alive to the things of God. You are walking around prayerless, and then the Lord preaches to you and says, you're supposed to be praying always. You are now awake to that precept. And from that place of prayerlessness, you then cry out to God and say, well, Lord, Help me because I need your help. I can't pray always. I need you to help me do that, Lord. I need you. And we have a good God who then will uh, anoint you and give you an unction of the Holy Spirit. The Lord will give you this uh, baptism and then you'll be able to pray what you what the Lord wants to pray in and through you. You know, in and through you. All the tongues that God has, he wants to speak tongues through you. He wants to pray. The Holy Spirit groans. We don't always know what we to pray, what we should pray for, but the Lord knows exactly what to pray for. And so we have to give ourselves over to that faith. Verse 18, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it's the power of God. So the preaching of the cross, the Bible, the word, the preaching about the things in this life, the exposing the unfruitful works of darkness, uh, the preaching of this is foolishness. It's foolishness to talk about the natural man versus the spirit man. It's foolishness to the people that are going to hell, to the people that are going to be hell in the lake of fire, uh, in hell in the lake of fire. They think all this stuff is boring. And they think it's foolish because they're of the devil. And so that's why they think it's boring because they're satanic. They're evil to their core. So, oh, this is boring. I don't want to pay attention to the things of God. It's boring. You're, you're of the devil. The devil is tricking you. This, the Lord is interesting and the Lord is wise and he is uh, action-packed. 
And so you're of the devil and you're in your flesh. And that's why you think that you don't receive the things of God. You're in the flesh. You're natural. That's why you're bored because you're so carnal minded. You got, and I, like I said it last time, I'll say it again. You've got the spiritual maturity of a potato. That's how spiritually mature you are. You're like a potato, which is nothing. You know, that's why you must cry out, potato. You need to cry out and say, Lord Jesus, help me. I'm a potato. And you know, I'm saying that a little bit, but understand where you are. Help me, Lord. I'm dying. You know, when Peter was on the uh, water, he cried out when he started to sink. He said, Lord, save me. I perish. We have to call on God from that place. Do you understand? Oh, you're not going to get nothing. You got to call on the Lord with all of your heart. You have to believe him in order to call on, with, call on him with all his heart. You know, sometimes that's why God has to make some of you uncomfortable in your life because you really don't believe him. You're just fleeing from the wrath to come. You know, like the Pharisees, you don't have any fruit that's meat for repentance. You don't have anything that's truly deserving for the presence of God to work in your life. Remember, Jesus said, pray that you be counted worthy because this world's going to hell. This world's going to burn up. And God's going to judge this world. He's going to judge this world. And people are dying every second. And they die and they go right into eternity. And they go right to hell. If you're not washed in the blood of Jesus, keeping the commandments of God, seeking the Lord Jesus Christ on a day-to-day -day basis, you're on your way to hell and the lake of fire. It is that simple. You know, this is a gospel. And the gospel is good news. The good news is that you can be saved. You have to Get, come to Jesus. You have to make the decision to come to Jesus because the Lord has made the way. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. All right? If you do not embrace the Lord, the way, the truth, the life with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your understanding, all of your strength, you got to cleave. It says cleave unto the Lord. If you don't do that, you are lost. And you don't know how important this is. You know how wonderful it is to be saved. You know how, how, how special it is that the Lord had mercy on you. And that's what you got to get. You have got to know how special it is that God decided to have mercy on yourself. For the preaching of the cross, verse 18, chapter 1, Corinthians, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. You think you could just put it on the back burner? <coughs> Excuse me, you can get rid of this, you can get rid of that, you can do this and that, and you just push God to the side, you know. That's how of the devil you are. It's foolishness to you, that's why you're going to hell, you hear that? The preaching of the cross is foolishness to you who are going to burn in hell. You don't pay no attention to it, you're, that's why you're going to burn in hell. And you don't like me saying you're going to burn in hell so much. Why is he saying I'm going to burn in hell so much? Because you are. You're going to burn right in hell if you don't. Repent if you don't learn that this is supposed to be very important to you. You're supposed to care about all of this. You should be eager to hear the word of God. You should be eager to get into God's word. You should be eager for the Holy Spirit to speak to you because even the satanic Pope reads and prays. You know what I mean? That old serpent lover, uh, that old devil worshiper, he, he, he uh, reads and he prays, but he's a filthy Pope. And so that goes to show you how demonic and how deceived you can be being a Pharisee like the Pope is a Pharisee. He's a religious bigot. And like I've said on the last one, the Pharisee has changed. 
folks. It's no longer what you would think is the Pharisee like this. Oh, this person is quoting scripture and, you know, they, they're doing all the holy things of the Lord. This is a Pharisee. No, no, no. The Pharisee now is, 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 is a lackadaisical version of Christianity. It's the, ver it's the extreme version of grace. That's the Pharisee. There's a, oh, I don't got to do nothing. I can just be however I want to be. And my faith in Jesus, I'm saved. Hallelujah. I'm in the club. And that's not of Christ. That's actually Satan enjoying you and fellowshipping with you and playing with you and manipulating you and lying to you. The Bible says he takes you captive at his will. You know what I mean? You are doing the lust of your father, the devil, because the lust of your father, the devil, is never to do the things of God. He doesn't want to do the things of God. He wants to do the devil stuff. He's cool with devil things. Devil things don't bother you uh, because you like the devil. You're kind to the devil. You're, you think you're better than God uh, who hates the devil. Uh, he said, uh, Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated. I had some people stop coming to the church because they said that, oh, well, you know, well, they, well, they didn't say it. it, it their, 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 their mother told me. She's like, you know what? Well, we don't like that you say, you know, God hates stuff. Hey, man, I'm not even going to get into that. That's garbage. People, because now they're not even serving the Lord. They're someplace else. And, you know, God, I hope that they get restored in Jesus' name. But people who are just so comfortable and they just fellowship with the things of evil, they don't mind evil around them. They're not like Lot who was vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. The Bible says it's not good to accept the persons of the wicked, but these people, they're of the devil because they are fine with evil people. They love the wages of unrighteousness like Balaam. That's what he says. He loves the wages of unrighteousness. But he was rebuked by a, it says, dumb ass speaking with man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. That means God will speak through anybody, anybody at all. But you got to have an ear to hear. You got to be looking for Jesus throughout your day. So he, because he might speak to you. Now, if you're of the Lord, then he's going to be speaking to you throughout your day. And he's not going to have to go to anybody else and tell them about you. Because if I'm talking about somebody and I know I'm talking about you, and I almost said somebody's name on here last week. I, I, uh, I almost said it. You know, I felt like the Lord really put it on me to say it. And, you know, the same thing applies if I end up saying your name on here in a rebuke. then of course, I send you the message and I tell you about it uh, just so, you know, you can have it because, you know, this isn't a backbiting thing. And the Lord lets me, he leads me to preach about people's examples in a general way so that you can always see the examples of what not to be and what to be. And through that, the Lord is able to speak prophetically into your heart to reveal specific things to you that God wants you to focus on. It has nothing to do with me at all, it, except for the fact that I'm allowing the Lord to do his will in my life. And he's set you up to be able to listen and give you the ears to hear. Amen? Uh, and uh, anything else, is, 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 is uh, it's, it's not for you. You know what I'm saying? But it's always a joyful experience to be able to be led of God because you're listening for him throughout your day. And so if you're not doing that and you're not in your prayer time with the Lord listening, then he's going to send somebody over to talk to you. And which is an irritating thing because if I have to go talk to you about something, that means you can't really talk to me about it because you come on, bro. Get the, uh, get the uh, telephone pole out of your eye first. You know, you've got a telephone pole in your own eye, but you're focused on the toothpick in your brother's eye. You're of the devil. So stop doing that. Repent.
so that you cannot be of the devil and you can be of the Lord because the Lord's way is the best way and he is the only way. He's good. You're not good. The Lord is. That's why he came to the the kid. He said, you know what? He said, uh, good master, good master. What good thing should I do? I'm a Christian. I'm of the Lord. <laughs> and he wasn't of the Lord. Amen. That guy was not of the Lord. And uh, because he walked away from the Lord, he turned his back on Jesus and in fact became an antichrist. He got mad and he turned his back on Jesus and walked away. He went away sad. Ooh, he went away sad. You know, that's, 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 but that's these people's spirits. You see, they act like they're of the Lord and they act like they're holy. But when it comes down to getting into the presence of God and getting into the spirit of God, they're not of God at all because there's nothing of God inside of them because they fellowship with the devil. They have so much time fellowshipping with the devil that they don't even, uh, you know, they don't even, uh, they don't even recognize the evil that they uh, soak up. They don't hear things and, you know, say, oh my gosh, the zeal of my father's house has eaten me up. I have to go and, you know, flip these tables. Or I have to go and pray for this person right now because the Lord has moved on me and he just told me this person needs prayer right now. They need you to go pray for him, pray for him. And the Lord will tell you to pray for people. If you get a thought, just pray for this person. Pray for them. Pray for them. Ask them if they want prayer. That's not the devil, folks. If you're, if you're of the Lord and you believe in Jesus very much and you're serving God, if, he t if you get th that you should pray for somebody, you get over there and pray for them. That's the Lord. He's trying to pray for those people through you, right? Don't, don't, don't stop that. Don't sin against the Lord by not doing this good as you have the opportunity to do good. Do good. And how do you do that good? By uh, lifting up holy hands everywhere. Amen? Without wrath and without doubting. And you're going you're gonna to be a blessing to somebody that way. Because you're going to allow them to take a step closer to the Holy Spirit. That's why we have to be led by the Spirit of God. You know, things don't always look. Don't look by what you, don't go by what you see. Go by what the Holy Spirit says. And you'll never know that if you're in the flesh. If you're full of your natural filthy self, then you need to get rebuked a lot so that yourself can die because you ain't killing your flesh. So come get rebuked so that you can, uh, See what your flesh is. You, you done blended with the flesh so much. So you think the spirit of God and the flesh are one and the same. Or you think the flesh is just some little idiot thing that you do. Some elementary. Like I said, you got the spirit of a potato. You, your spiritual maturity of a potato. You, you nothing. You know what I mean? And you need to wake up so you can actually be meat for the master's use. So you can be fit. Because you're unfit. You know, you have to be careful. Otherwise, you will wind up being, uh, you know, uh, you'll wind up being uh, dressed inappropriately for the marriage supper of the Lamb. You know, you'll wind up being dressed inappropriately. You won't have the right garments on. You won't be ready. When the Lord tells you to be ready, you won't be ready. You'll be unready. Because... And you won't care, you, you won't know it until it's too late because you're going to be believing a strong delusion. You're going to think that everything's fine. 
because when you had the chance to repent of that, when somebody was correcting you on it, you were like, oh no, I just believe in grace, 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 grace. I'm saved even though I'm totally of the devil in everything I do. I'm saved even though I don't love the things of God. I don't, uh, you know, I'm just saved just because I said so, because I think I'm the Lord. And that's how demonic these you people are uh, who are like that. You're demonic. You're of the devil and you don't know it. You have to be told so you can be saved, which means that when you are told, you have to be humble so you can listen and say, oh, wow, you know, this person is right. Uh, this person's right. I'm of the devil because I'm just like that. Exactly what they're saying. I'm exactly that way. Oh, Lord, help me, Jesus. That's the only way you'll be saved. That's the only way. Uh, sorry, I had to text, send a text to my uh, to, uh, to my fiance and let her know that I'm doing the message and I won't be answering. Anyways, so um, we have to make sure that the foolishness that comes up in our minds that tries to block us from receiving the things that God is giving us uh, or trying to instruct us on, all of the foolishness. Fool, The fool has said in his heart, Psalm 14, verse 1, that there is no God. So everything that is foolish comes from a place in us of unbelief. So if we're focused on things that are of Satan and we're just enjoying them, we're so full of life when it comes to satanic this or that, well, we have to question whether or not God is even in us. Paul told the Corinthians also to examine themselves to see if you're even saved. You might not be saved. You're probably not saved, actually. Uh, you know, we want, because when you're saved, you love the Lord Jesus Christ so much. You just are so in love with him. And not because of what, uh, you know, some carnal thing that he did for you, but you're in love with who he is to you. You want to seek his presence. You want to seek his face. You want to be baptized in him. When was the last time you saw for the baptism of the Holy Spirit? You know that it's available to you. You know that it's a gift, but how much time do you spend seeking it? That's why you don't have it because you never ask for it. You don't ask for it. And then you don't even have the faith for it. You just want to cross the T and dot the I. You ask a miss so that you can consume it by your lust. Well, give me the, well, okay, well, I'm gone. Oh, well. You know, you nonchalant, uh, false person. God doesn't want us to be that way. God wants us to have zeal. He wants us to be on fire for him. He wants us to not be lazy or stagnant. He wants us to be righteous. And he wants us to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. He wants us to put on the whole armor of God that we'll be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You know, that's what he wants from us. Give it to him. How dare you not? Uh, but you're foolish and that's why you're like that because you're foolish. That's why. I'm, telling, I'm giving you the answer. This is why you are this way. Why am I like this? Because ah, you're foolish. Your unbelieving heart. You're puffed up against the things of God. And you need to correct yourself. Otherwise, you'll eat the fruit of your own doings. You'll be filled with your own devices. And you don't want to be filled with your own devices because if you're filled with your own devices, there's no salvation in you. There's a way that seemeth good or right to a man, but the end thereof is the ways of death. So all of your ways seem right to you, but it's going to lead to death. Do you understand? Death. And um, we need the Lord 
because he is life, you see? And so we have to look at ourself and then remove, we have to deny that self. And you'll never do that if you think all this is foolishness. If you think this is foolishness, it's because you're of the devil. And you're spiritually dead. And if you don't understand what I'm saying, it's because you need the Holy Spirit in you. Because you're crazy. You don't understand. What do you mean you don't understand? Jesus said that to the disciples. You better be careful. Or not to the disciples. He said to the Pharisees. He said, why don't you understand? Why can't you hear my speech? You're of the devil. That's why. So you say, Lord, am I of the devil? Am I of the devil? Oh, Lord, please don't let me be of the devil. Please save me. And he will. Because he's good. That's why he's telling you that you're following the devil. If he didn't love you, he wouldn't say anything at all. He would just let you go. Now let's go. Uh, I'm going to read verse 18 again. For the preaching of the cross is to them that are going to hell, that are perishing, foolishness. But unto us, you ready? You ready? Unto us, which are saved. It is the power of God. If you unto us who have the spirit of God living inside of us, unto us that God's presence is real to us. Is the presence of God real to you? How come you don't seek it more then? You know, how come you're not hungry and thirsting after God? Because his presence isn't real to you. You don't think the Lord is real. You know, you're fake. So you think the Lord is fake. Because that's how you are. And uh, the Lord's not like you. And you ought to praise him and be grateful that the Lord's not fake like you are. The Lord's not shallow. He's not superficial. He is righteous. He is holy. He's God. And he's way smarter than you. He's way better than you. And so you should be grateful that he even wants anything to do with you at all. You should be very, very, very happy that he wants you to be saved. And... um. The devil wants to blind your mind to that fact so that you won't be happy about it. You'll be ungrateful, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, a covenant breaker, uh, haters of those that are good. You'll be a traitor, heady, high-minded, lover of pleasure more than lover of God. The Bible says to turn away from you, to shake the dust off my feet against you after two admonitions. After the first and second admonition, reject. The heretic reject, knowing that such is subverted and sinneth, being condemned of himself. So you now have a strong delusion under your brain, and it's never going to be an easy delusion because it's chosen by God. The Bible says God himself will pick the delusion out that causes you. Literally, the delusion has been sent by God to cause you to inherit damnation. And that's because the Lord is that fed up with you. He's that tired of you uh, trodden underfoot the Son of God. He's that tired of you uh, betraying him, counting his blood to be nothing. He's that tired of arguing with you. He's not going to argue with you. He is not going to argue with you or he's not going to bend his will to be yours. Your will's trash and you need to know that your own will is trash so that you can have hope in Christ. And you're not the only one in the world who's had a trash will before. My will's trash. Everybody's will is trash. That's why you have to have the Lord let his will be in and through you. It has to be God's will and not your own. Everything else is trash. And it's going to get you in fire, burning, tormented by demons. You know, some people aren't even happy and you got demons fellowshipping in you. The demons are literally in you and they're fellowshipping in you. And they're latching onto other people through you. 
When you open up your mouth to speak a lie, you're opening up your mouth and you're putting demons on people. And uh, they're just traveling through you. You're a revolving door for the devil and his angels. And the Lord wants to free you from that type of oppression because you don't even know that that's how you are. You are not intelligent. You don't know that that's how you are. You think that everything is just, you know, what you see because you're flesh. Do you understand? You're carnal. So the Bible says you know, you're not even going to listen to that. You're not even going to understand it. You know what I mean? When I'm saying it to you, I pray that God will give you understanding, but you won't because you're of the devil. And that's what Jesus said in John. All right. So for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us, which are saved, it's the power of God. See, I receive the word of God into me. There's truth there. Then it gives me power to be able to conduct my life in a way that is pleasing to the Lord Jesus Christ. And to while doing so, not put any trust or stock or confident in my own ability, but to always have my faith be rooted in Christ Jesus, my Lord. I'm not doing this because I have to do it. I'm doing this because Jesus is so good that he loves me so much. So I want to do as much as I possibly can to show him how grateful I am that he saved me from all of my darkness. He saved me. And he didn't have to do that. You know, I am saved and washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. I've got the Holy Spirit inside of me, and I'm so happy about that. I want to tell the whole world that Jesus is alive today. And not just because I was put inside of my glorified body that I'm going to be put back into. See, not a lot of people can say that. I'm saying that because that's my testimony. The Lord Jesus Christ put me inside of a new body and I'm going to be able to get back in that body once I'm out of here. Do you understand how happy that makes me? I'm so grateful for that, folks. And you don't have to believe that about me, but you definitely have to believe that the Bible says that we're going to have new bodies. And I just so happen to have been inside of mine and I spent a long time in there. And that's how I know that you have to speak and it has to be perfectly surrendered to the Lord. Uh, led of the Spirit means you are perfect submission, perfect agreement with God. So when I was talking to the Lord, I heard myself talking at every single thing I said, every word, every part of the vowel sound, every syllable was all in perfect harmony with the Spirit of God. I was perfectly in sync with God. It was me speaking, but it was literally the voice of God speaking through me to himself as me. It was phenomenally uh, beautiful and connected. And I, I heard my own voice and I'd never heard myself speak. I don't sound like this. Uh, I do in the flesh, but in the Spirit of God, I sound totally different. And uh, it's a, it's, it was beautiful. It was fantastic. I can't wait to grow in heaven. And I can't wait to be close to God in heaven. And people are going to be like, oh, you're not going to grow. Oh, my friend, my friend, my friend. <laughs> we, grow, we go from glory to glory. Amen. Glory to glory. And so um, God's got good stuff prepared for those who love him and who are called according. He really does. This is, don't be deceived. This world is false this world is fake this ain't the real deal you know and thank god uh the, the next life is the life that we're going to oh it's the life we're going to treasure we're going to oh we're going to be there forever too we're going to be there forever and ever and ever and ever and ever just worshiping and being at a place of freedom to worship god and worship god and worship god we're going to be up in heaven sealed by the holy spirit forever we are 
going to be the literal body of Jesus Christ. Oh, it's going to be amazing. So, uh, yeah, there's going to be amazing. I'm going to give a little witness here. Hallelujah. There were times where when I was, you know, having uh, this wonderful vision, which is what I'm calling it. Uh, take it as you will. But when I was having this vision that at times I was flying full speed around the Lord's body and he was humongous. He was giant. And to where I'm flying so fast, I was flying super fast. And as I was flying up, I'm flying up his body because I was just flying up it. We we're going up and uh, his body was huge. And I say we because there were so many others with me at that moment. We were all like in perfect unity and we're all flying around the Lord Jesus Christ's body. And again, you don't have to believe what I'm saying here. All right. You don't have to believe this for for, for coming out because this is just my, but this is my testimony. Um we are the body of Christ, all of the human beings. We make up the body of Jesus Christ. And the devil also has a body. He's got a body of antichrist believers. These are all people who have John 666. You know what I'm saying? They're people who turn their back on hearing the word of God. Rather unconverted or converted at a time, these turn their back on the Lord. They become anti-Jesus and they don't want to participate in the things of the Lord. And one sign of the antichrist is that the antichrist will always start to attack the people of God. Uh, start to attack, you know, the, the Christians and, and, and be very, very, very against God, like the world is. And uh, so we want to, you know, not, uh, we want to preach the gospel to our enemies so they can get saved because they're clearly being tormented by demons. And if they're okay and everything in life is perfect and peaceful and happy and harmonious, but they're totally without God, then that's a greater sign of abandonment. You know, just, you, you don't expect your life to be hell here because you don't have the Lord in you, hell comes next. You know, that's what makes hell, hell is because you think that everything's good here, but then you get over there and there's nothing you can do to get out. You're stuck. And so you'll remember all these quote unquote good times you had outside of Christ. You'll remember about all of it as you chew on your tongue and you'll be grinding your teeth for pain and weeping and wailing. The Bible says there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Uh, it says, the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they have no rest day and night because you chose to not, that you chose to think the things of God were foolishness. You chose to not take God seriously. You chose to say, oh, well, I'm the Lord. Or, or, God's not real. You said whatever these things you were saying are blasphemy in your heart. You know, you chose to not take God serious. And that is the biggest mistake you could possibly make because the Lord's going to kill you himself. He's going to take your life right out of you and then you're going to have to stand before him and you're going to be judged. And he's got all the time in the world to judge every single person in this whole world. He's going to judge every person that has ever been here and he's going to pay you back to your face and the Lord's going to laugh and mock you on your way into hell. And if you read Proverbs chapter one, it says that the Lord says he will mock just like you mock God. He's going to mock you back. You're going to reap what you sow. You will reap what you sow with God. He is not unrighteous you will reap. And so that's why it's so important for us to believe the gospel and to stop being foolish and to put away foolishness or any type of unbelief. Get it out of you. Because if you have unbelief up inside of your heart, then it's going to immediately cause you to sin against God, either through prayerlessness or not receiving something or not going someplace where God tells you to go someplace is because you're full of unbelief, which is foolish. That's why God's not even going to waste his time trying to give you a sign or prove to you that he's real. Well, give me a sign, God, if you're real. Get me outside. Who are you, you arrogant 
schmuck. You actually think that the Lord Jesus Christ has to prove himself to you? You're crazy. That's why at this point, if I talk to somebody and they tell me they don't believe in God, I don't even waste my time. I'm like, well, you're obviously not called of the Lord then. You're of the devil. You're a child of the devil. You're a seed of Satan. Because the seed of the Lord remains in his people. The Lord knows his sheep. And you're not one of them. And I don't really make that distinction. It's you who are the one who's saying that you don't hear the call of God in your heart to get right. And that's why you got to preach the gospel. Because how shall they hear except a preacher come and preach and they and somebody be sent? You know, i got to be sent by the Lord to, to come and preach. And so after you get the Lord Jesus Christ inside of you, the Lord wants you to immediately, you know, start witnessing and testifying first in your own life of the Lord Jesus Christ and his saving power. And then afterwards, you're supposed to get up and go out and start preaching the gospel. God wants to use you, you person. Oh, well, that again, do again. And all my excuses. I saw this meme of Passion of the Christ. It was Mel Gibson sitting next to Jim Caviezel. And this one, Jim Caviezel is in his Jesus attire that he was wearing for the movie and he's all covered in blood he's got blood all on him covered in blood how he looked in that movie but there's this is behind the scenes and i guess mel gibson is giving jesus oh i'm sorry giving giving jim caviezel some instruction on his jesus character and so in the meme you see both of these two sitting in those director's chairs Jim Caviezel's on one side mel gibson's on the other side mel gibson is got his hands out and he's talking jim caviezel's got his hands in his lap covered in blood listening to what mel gibson says and the caption of the meme said this is how you look when you complain or, or about about your life to god now that's not to say that we shouldn't complain because we're allowed to be honest with god and pour out our complaints before him but that's how it looks you know when we when we when we make excuses and the bible says that too the bible says that in hebrews it says looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, okay, who for the joy that was set before him uh, endured the cross, despising the shame. Consider him. This is in the book of Hebrews. Consider him, lest you be weary and faint in your minds. So let's, this is, I'm gonna jump real quick. The book of Hebrews, this is chapter 12, verse two. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, listen, who for the joy that was set before him, hallelujah, the sufferings of this present life don't compare to the joy. You're going to experience joy in the new body. The new body will be flooded with joy. It's created by God. It is a part of him. So it's going to be like, you know, when you feel the Holy Spirit is very peaceful and joyful and it comes down upon you, you know, you get flooded with the presence of God. This body that you're going to have is going to be made out of the presence of God. So being inside of it is going to be uh, God. It's going to be incredible. You know, the tabernacle of, of God is with, will be with men. Okay. So he's going to be in you and he's giving you a bar. You're a part of his body. I mean, it's so intricate and special. And if it sounds confusing to you, then just shut your mouth and believe it <clears throat> and hope to experience it. But if you don't hope to experience it, then that's okay. No one's going to force you. You can go right on into hell if you want. You know, the Lord's not going to force you to get saved. And you're not doing Jesus any favors by you becoming Christian. 
okay? You're arrogant and you need to chill out on that level of thinking because you're going to burn in hell. You'll be, you're going to be in hell and you'll be angry at yourself. You're going to hate yourself and um, like you should have hated your life here because the Lord does want us to get rid of our life. He wants us to hate our life here. You'll be angry <clears throat> that you didn't pick up your cross, you know? So looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, because of the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. He's the power of God. Amen? For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be weary and faint in your mind. Because Jesus never even did one thing wrong. He never sinned ever. And yet he chose to put your disgusting sins on himself. He put my disgusting sins on himself. And I'm saying it like that so you can really see the repulsion that God has towards sin. He's not lenient to sin. He hates sin. And he hates Satan. And he hates uh, the children of the devil. That's why he hardened Pharaoh's heart. Because Pharaoh was ready to get saved after experiencing or seeing the power of God. Pharaoh was like, he was ready to let the people go. But it says, and Pharaoh would have let the people go, but the Lord hardened his heart because the Lord was fed up of Pharaoh. He had to do all that proving and stuff just to show you. And the Lord created Pharaoh for this purpose, to be the, to be the, the devil. And the devil is a defeated foe. So we always have victory in Jesus. And so we don't want to be anything like the devil. You want to be like Jesus. And if you have that hope inside of you, then there's hope for you. Amen. Trust God. Verse 3. For consider him, Jesus. Think about Jesus instead of yourself for once. That endured such kind. He had to sit there and take it from sinners. He had to sit there and endure these sinful, evil people crucifying him as if he was a sinner. He had to take it from them. So think about that lest you be weary and faint in your mind. Lest you feel, oh, this is too hard. Oh, I just can't, can't do this. No. No. No, I'm useless because I'm in my flesh and I want God to cater to me. And I want God to bend, my, uh, to, to bend his will to be my will. Things don't go my way. I'm of the devil. There's nothing of the Lord in me. Be honest about what you are so you can get saved. Because I think you can get saved from that point if you're honest. But if you're not, then you'll be of the devil and you'll be in hell. And you'll be unbothered by all this. None of it's going to bother you at all. You'll be unbothered by the things of God. And the Lord won't bother with you. Verse 3, For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be weary and faint in your minds. You have not resisted unto blood striving against sin. See, you don't got to get... You're not getting beat trying to resist your own sin, trying to get beat and resisting. You're not bleeding. It's not causing you physical pain, you having to, uh, you know, put your sin away. Oh, I can't go my own will anymore. You know, you're not resisting against blood. And if the Lord corrects you, it's a good thing. All right, let me go back into Corinthians Verse 18, chapter 1, for the preaching of the cross is to them that are perish, uh, that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. 
And I'm going to skip over this here and I'm going to go back to what I was talking about because, uh, you know, if you, again, if you think that your words are more important than the words of God, then you'll be in hell unless you repent of that. You'll be in hell, period. There's no other space for you. There's no returning back to the earth to be a ghost or returning back to the earth to try to be a tree or reincarnated. Folks, you get one chance. Well, what about that kid who's got a past life memory of his ancient self or he can speak another language? Uh, folks, you're dumb because it's a demon, okay? A demon that was in that person. And that demon has all the memories because they're in you, okay? So they can see everything about you. They know everything you know. And so the demon then gets into you and lies to you and tells you you got a past life. And it's not a past life. It's just you're, you're listening to Satan instead of listening to the voice of God. Well, what happens if I go to this false religion and there's a miracle in the false religion? Well, if you really love the Lord. See, that's why you can't be a Pharisee who's just trying to flee from the wrath to come. Otherwise, something like that's going to be able to shake your faith. But when you're of the Lord and you actually love the Lord, then you'll know that the Lord says that he actually gave that false miracle into the hands of the liar to be able to perform it. He gave this devil the power to do a miracle in front of your face because the Lord wants to know what's in your heart. He wants to know if you really love him or not. And, uh, you know, he, he doesn't care if you if uh, he, he lets these devils do miracles because, um, you know, he wants you to love the Lord your God and worship and serve him. You know, he doesn't want you to just follow him just because you eat the loaves and you're full. He wants you to follow him because you love him, because you recognize what he's done for you. And he's going to test you. He's going to put you through the test to see what's in you. You're going to be tested to see if it's Jesus in you or if it's something else. That's why if you get around brothers and sisters that are pastors that are, that are of the Lord, and they're also testing you to see what is in you or not, it is a good thing. Because guess what? We're not in this alone. And we need the body of Christ uh, to help us and to be that habitation of God through the Spirit. For us, housing the Spirit of the Lord in them. So when we come around them, the secrets of our heart are made manifest. And so falling on the ground, will we, uh, on our face, will we declare that God is in the church? According to his word, he's in you. Now, verse uh, chapter 2, I'm skipping, going to verse 14. But the natural man, you flesh bag, the natural flesh bag man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. You see? For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Nobody can instruct the Lord, but we do have the mind of Christ, so we can know what our Father's will is. And we can know where Jesus' presence is and where Jesus' presence is, isn't. And so if I'm in a church and it's got all this glitz and glam, but I don't experience the presence of God there, I, I are you spiritual enough to be able to decipher? Are you going to be blinded by the lights and the dancing and the good music and the word. Is that going to blind you? You're going to think that's the spirit of God. You know, you have this emotional uh, experience, this emotionalism. And, uh, you know, we can't do that. You've got to be careful sitting up under a preacher that is just going to use emotions on you because there's no power to sustain your soul in that whatsoever. And so you got to come out of that so that you can be able to uh, fellowship and eat the good bread. You want to eat good bread. You want to eat fresh bread from heaven. 
And, uh, you know, it's not about the person. It's about Jesus. So don't be in the natural and don't be uh, fleshly. Shut your mouth if you don't understand and then pray for understanding. That's a spiritual person. They're not going to read something and say, I don't understand that. So I'm just going to leave it alone. No, no, no. Shut up and um, then, then pray about it and start asking the Lord. Show the Lord you have faith that he gives understanding, that understanding comes from him. You know, the Lord loves faith. So show him faith and he's worthy of faith. He's so worthy of faith. And he's got a plan for each one of us. So you want to make sure that he fulfills his word to you. The Bible says, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. Well, amen. So praise the Lord. Um, I'm going to go ahead and play something for you. I believe it is a sermon jam. And uh, amen. I hope you enjoy it because uh, it has definitely encouraged me a lot. And this is really for the believer out there that, uh, you know, is trying. If you are a believer and you are trying, and God knows if you're trying and you're not trying, it's not my business. But if you're trying and, you know, you're, you, 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 you really want Jesus, then this, this sermon jam is going to be for you because it's going to show you just, you know, there's always hope in Jesus. And this is by Paul Washer. And it's called You Are Loved. And I want to play it because it's it's just very encouraging. And um, I think the Lord wanted me to put it on here, actually. So this is what we're going to do. So enjoy this sermon jam. And then when I come back from the sermon jam, uh, I think we'll go ahead and just get right into James. And then we'll be done. Amen. So uh, go ahead and uh, enjoy this. This is it's a great, great honor and privilege for me to be speaking here today. It's just a great privilege. Um, I'm overwhelmed at the goodness of God that He would allow me the opportunity to be here in this place and hear the gospel, speak of the gospel of Jesus Christ in fellowship with believers. I count it such a tremendous, tremendous privilege and. Don't be discouraged. Don't ever be discouraged. There's just no reason, no reason to ever, to be, ever discouraged. be discouraged. Some of the greatest sermons that have ever been preached have been preached to six people. Some of the greatest manifestations of God has occurred among just a handful of believers. We shouldn't use the world's wisdom. We should use we God's should use wisdom. God's Folks, wisdom. if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Uh, this is not about how useful we can become or how successful our ministries appear to be. It is about being conformed to the image of Christ. Absolutely everything in our lives is directed towards our conformity. God is not served by human hands as though He needed something from us. He's granted, He's granted us, the us the privilege to participate in a great work that He is doing. But the great goal of God is not to make us successful servants. The great goal of God is to make us conform to, conform the, to the image of Jesus Christ. It was when I realized I did not have to move a quarter of, the, of an inch to the left or the right to be loved of God. 
that I did not have to be, have to be successful, successful in the world's eyes, eyes, nor powerful, nor eloquent, nor intelligent, nor any other thing, that I simply was loved. I am so unholy, I am so unrighteous, I am so ignorant of the things of God, I feel so ashamed. I said, your joy and everything about you, your comfort, your joy, your peace, comes from your performance and what you can do for God. I said, my comfort, my joy, my peace comes from what God has done for me in the finished work of Christ. God will, God not, will allow not allow your source, source to, be to be anything but Him and him grace. grace. Now there is a sense in which we're not walking with God as believers. God's going to convict us of our sin. There is a sense in which we should be sorrowful over our lack of obedience. But at the same time, we need to realize something. Do you know what God does for the most part in the life of believers after they're saved? He doesn't work life in them so much as He works death in them. After a small period of what some people call a honeymoon period or, or this God protecting you with grace, He begins to draw back a little so that you will begin to see that you can do nothing and that absolutely everything depends on Him. He begins to... That's why a lot of young ministers will go out and preach. Now, if they're God's man, they will usually meet with years and years of failure. Now, there are exceptions. There are exceptions like Charles Spurgeon and others. But for the most of us, God allows us to be confronted with so much failure in our prayer life. Failure in our ability to read the Word and understand it. Failure in our preaching. Failure everywhere. So that in the end, we reach a point where, Oh God, who do I have in heaven but You? Who do I have on earth but You? And then it becomes a work of God in our own mind, in our own heart. That's what I want you to see. I want, I want you to draw your joy, not from your performance, but Christ's finished work. I want you to draw, draw everything from that one thing and that one person. And then your joy, your comfort, your peace will be as solid as a rock that does not change. But as long as all your joy, your comfort, and everything else comes from your performance, you will spend the rest of your life like this. I had a guy tell me one time, he came in and he said, you know, you could do this and this and the ministry would expand and, and you could think about TV and you could think about all these things and it would be so great. And after he got done, I said, but if I did all that, where would I find time to go fishing? And he looked at me and he said, I know how he was thinking. It was like, you're the most unspiritual man I've ever heard. And I looked at him and I said, sir, I've been there. I've spent a great part of my Christian life working myself to death so that somehow God would think I was special. I said, I don't need this ministry or that ministry or the things that you're talking about. I know that I am deeply and eternally and perfectly loved. Now, if God wants me to go do something, I'll go do something because He loves me so much. But I don't need... I don't need to be big. I don't need to be smart. I don't need to be eloquent. I don't need a tremendous ministry. And I don't need to be well-known. God loves me.
that is enough. I want you to know if you're a believer here today, God loves you. The greatest act of faith is to raise the dead. Boy, if you can raise the dead, you have got faith. And I always tell them, huh. they said, well, what's the greatest act of faith? I said, for me to look in the mirror of God's Word and see all my faults, all my sin, all my shortcomings, and to believe that God loves me exactly as He says He does. He truly does. You are beloved if you are in Christ. You are accepted if you are in Christ. You always walk with a safety net underneath. That's a beautiful thing. Legalists don't like that very much. But to someone like me, that's a beautiful thing. To someone who has never been able to cross all the T's and dot all the I's, like other people, it's a wonderful message. It's a wonderful message. Now let's open up our Bibles to Romans 3. Verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by His grace, through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in His blood through faith. This was to demonstrate His righteousness because in the forbearance of God He passed over the sins previously committed. For the demonstration, I say, of His righteousness at the present time so that He would be just in the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Where then is boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? Of works? No. But by a law of faith. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones says, this is the Acropolis of the Christian faith, the citadel, possibly the greatest passage in all the Bible. This is possibly what I have just read, the most important passage in the entire Bible. Have you read it? Do you understand it? Have you poured over it? Because here we find the greatest and greatest of truths. So many people read this passage and the only thing they remember is Romans 3.23. And yet, this passage, in my opinion at least, is the most important of all of them in the Bible. And in order to understand the cross of Jesus Christ, we must understand this passage. I am so unholy. I am so unrighteous. I am so ignorant of the things of God. I feel so ashamed. My comfort, my joy, my peace comes from what God has done for me in the finished work of Christ. All right, praise the Lord. Uh, amen. That was, uh, that's always been, that's always very encouraging. Uh, <coughs> I'm very grateful that God, uh, allowed me to hear that message. I'm grateful for Paul Washer is one of my absolute favorite preachers. You see, so I don't just, you know, take from, you know, I know that he is a specific type, you know, the denominations and there's certain factions uh, that, uh, you know, are just a standard with, with Christians. So what I am is uh, I'm not Baptist at all. Um, but, you know, I've enjoyed some Baptist stuff. But uh, so I keep the good, right? I I glean, 
I keep the good and I get rid of uh, the things I don't believe. So, um, you know, I, 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 I keep the good and, and get rid of the bad. I glean because I'm not a Calvinist either. Um, I'm a Bible-believing disciple of Jesus, uh, part of the kingdom, member of the kingdom of God, and uh, a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how, hallelujah, that's how I want to be remembered. Uh, preach, Joshua, a servant of the Lord, and um, servant of Jesus Christ, hallelujah. All right, so we're picking back up in the book of James. Praise the Lord. And this is James. We're in chapter 4. I believe we left off right around verse 6. So I'll pick up here with verse 6. Uh, we'll go to verse 5. Do you think, do ye think that the Spirit... Now when I do this, it's tr I try to sh not, you know, I preach in the beginning or speak by the Spirit of God always in the beginning. But towards the end, I like to, uh, you know, of course it's by the Spirit, but also teach. So this is teaching the word of God and uh, this is this is allowing God's spirit to be the teacher. So don't rely on your own carnal understanding. Rely on the spirit of God that is able to make the wise unto your own salvation. You gotta, you gotta rely on God's spirit. Otherwise you will not receive the things of the spirit of God. So when you hear the word being taught, you want to make sure that you are subjected to the fact that it is God's word. You know, he says he pours out his spirit upon all flesh. And so it's God's word that is ministering to us. The word that is spoken by Jesus is spirit and life. And God is trying to make you spiritual. <coughs> Pardon me. Do you think that the spirit... Uh, that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy. So yeah, when, when you're worried about other stuff or you're not focused on the things of the kingdom of God, he's going to let you know. Jesus died for us. So yeah, give him your attention, all of your attention, all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your might. Give it unto the Lord because he's the only one that's going to be able to handle you. He's the only one that's going to be able to fix you or save you or heal you. He is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's the one who really is going to get you. So give it to Jesus. Verse 6, but he, Jesus, giveth more grace. So even in the midst of your lust and your uh, rebellion against God, know that he giveth more grace. Wherefore, he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Well, if you won't even admit what the Bible is saying about you or what the Spirit of God is revealing about you, you won't even admit it because you can't receive correction. And if you don't receive correction, you won't, you're so puffed up that, you know, one time somebody corrected me on something, they were totally wrong about it, totally wrong. However, they were correcting me still. And I took that as, okay, God, you must have, you must have turned their spirit against me and you must have had them come at me this way. And so while they might not have the details, Lord, I trust this person's of the Lord. And I trust that, uh, you know, it's not just a bad day. This is, you know, this is some correction that I'm getting. And then you're allowing it to happen. And so I trust that. And so, you know what, Lord, I'm going to receive this. 
you know, because, and I'm, now I'm going to go pray and say, oh, Lord, what have I done, Father God? Show me, Lord Jesus, what I'm doing. And, oh, Lord, I, I ain't got to tell me twice, Lord. I'm humble. I know that, um, oh, well, he's humble. He said he's humble. Yeah, because the Lord also told me that I was humble. Folks, I've prayed so much, and the Lord tells me uh, about myself because you know, I talk to the Lord. I'm honest with him. And so I'm humble. And so, you know, I don't have to worry about uh, exalting myself above God or if God tells me or tries to correct me uh, on something and, and I'm going to just shun it. <clears throat> God's not going to deal with me like that because God resists that type of pride. But if you submit to the rebuke, then you are humble. And in that submission, there is grace. Folks, when you submit to the Lord, there is grace. There is both grace of forgiveness and grace of empowerment to make change and to be led into that change by the spirit of the living God. This is the reality of our faith. This is the true Christianity, the true light in we, that we stand in is the fellowship that we have with Jesus Christ, the spirit of the living God in us. Continuing the work. But he, Jesus, God, giveth more grace. All right? But he's forgiving. All right? God does grace. Wherefore, he saith, God resisteth the proud who won't seek the Lord after they hear rebuke, who won't seek the Lord and say, Lord, this preacher was really coming at me crazy. Lord, they're being mean to me. What's going on, Lord? What's happening? What did I do? <laughs> Or, Lord, they corrected me on this and they were totally wrong. They said that I, you know, ate the last muffins and I did not eat those muffins. But, you know, they were, the way they spoke to me, Lord, it just, it makes me fear you, Lord. I, I, I don't know what I'm doing, Father God, but I just pray that you help this relationship be made right. Now, I'm not saying you always got to just take people's guff for no reason. No, but try to see uh, the Lord in, in everything. Try to walk by faith. You know, when David had rocks thrown at him, uh, he said, no, the Lord has sent this man to come and throw rocks at me. I'm not going to stop it. You know, I know I did something wrong. I'm I'm not prideful. I know that I did something wrong. And so because of that, now I'm about to be like, you know what? No, no, no. He's, this guy's also, no, I'm going to let it happen. I'm going to let it happen. I'm going to fall on the hands of the Lord. Let it happen. Maybe God will pity me. But he giveth more grace. Wherefore, he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Here it is. Verse 7, submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So anytime you are confronted with the devil or confronted with your own inner condition, just resist that arrogant urge to dismiss the correction of God or the rebuke of God or dismiss the urge to justify yourself. And say, well, you know, I just, and well, you know, I just, and well, you know, I just. Just no, don't make an excuse for yourself. Let Christ justify you. Don't rush to commend yourself. Let Christ commend you. Amen? And God will, by his spirit, he will confirm his word to you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Well, I don't know if I'm saved or not. You know, it all depends on me and all and everything I do. But wait, but I do believe in Jesus. I do believe in Jesus. 
or I don't really think I have to keep the commandments and I don't really have to do that because it's all grace, you know, so I can sin and, you know, God is going to forgive me because that's who God is. If you think like that, you're not of the Lord, period. You know, the Christian who is converted does not want to sin against God at all. Don't be double-minded. One minute you believe the Lord, next minute you don't believe the Lord. One minute you got strong faith, next minute your faith is weak. You're double-minded. The Bible says you will get absolutely nothing from the Lord. Nothing. You won't even receive a bit. Nothing. Your faith is vain. Because it's not faith. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Look at yourself. Look at the state of the world. Look at the state of the people around you. Sometimes you got to put that uh, to bed, you know, all the joy and the laughter. Well, I'm going to leave church now in my wicked condition. I'm going to go hang out with these people. And now you're laughing and kiki and ha 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 ha. And, uh, you know, you're of the devil. The Lord can still see you because he could see everything everywhere at all the time. So he can see you. And he's like, listen, stop laughing. Stop being joyful in the flesh. Let your joy in the flesh be turned into heaviness. You know, let your joy be heaviness because it's your joy. Verse 10, humble yourself on, uh, in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. Wait for the Lord to lift you up. <coughs> let the Lord do the exalting in your life. He'll pick you up when you're broken. When you're low, God will lift you up from those low points. Your feelings hurt or you down and out or discouraged, God will pick you up then your joy will truly be coming from him and not from you or your outside circumstances. That is standing in faith. Verse 11, Speak not evil, one of another brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. So people are like, Oh yeah, Mr. Judgy back there on the podcast, Mike. Ha ha, what do you got to say about that one? I got to say that you're a novice and that you don't know uh, the ways of the Lord because all the ways of the Lord are judgment. And so whenever I'm speaking about somebody or some person or something, then it's really I'm just giving the judgment of the word of God. It's not my own thoughts, my own opinion. It's God's word. And he tells us to judge. And that's what I'm doing. Now, speak not evil. Well, what is speaking evil? Speaking evil is always false. Anytime I just tell you false stuff about anybody, if I make it up or I go off an assumption that does not agree with their character, that is false. So speak not evil one of another. That's speaking evil of them. Or if I'm cursing you in my heart or wishing evil upon you, I just hope they die. Just, oh, this. You know what I mean? Whatever that is, that's, you know. Don't do that. You know, he that speaketh evil of his brother uh, and, 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 and judgeth his brother. All right? Speak evil of them. You just, They're never going to be this. Or they're never going to be that. Oh, I don't know how they even possibly. Just shut that stuff up. If it's not scripture that you're correcting them on and presenting to them in love, then you're off track. You're out of base. You're judging people just like Matthew 7 tells you. Don't judge lest you be judged. Folks, the Bible doesn't contradict. Don't judge. With what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. You judge with your own judgment. That's evil. You're going to be judged by God for that. 
But if you judge everything with the word of God, then God is pleased because you it's not your judgment. His God is very aware that his word is not yours. He's very aware of that. Amen? All right, now, uh, verse 11. Again, speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother. This is the condition of your heart. You have bad vision. You can't see what's true because you're, you're not looking in the eyes of faith and you're not looking with the uh, Spirit of the Lord. You're judging according to your own judgment, which is evil. He that speaketh evil of his brethren and judgeth his brother speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. You might as well be coming against God. You're coming against God that way. But if thou art a judge of the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. So, you know, if the Lord is over here working in this person and operating in and through them and moving through them and you don't like it, so you start to judge them the way they're doing it, then that's the Lord moving in them. And so it's just like you're judging God's law. You're judging the law that's working in them. The law of the spirit of life. You're judging it, which is an arrogant thing for you to do. Like Miriam talking about Moses. <clears throat> well, God will speak to us, huh? God will speak to us, huh? Yeah, I'm a crash fan. Mm -mm. Nope, you're puffed up in an opposition of the things of God. Now you're judging the law. Because I don't like his voice. Because don't you think he just sounds like that? Don't you think he just... That's not in the word of God. You're judging with your own judgment. You're a judger of evil thoughts. And God hates that. He despises it. So don't do that. Uh, but if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. Now understand this. You're a carnal, unsaved, uncircumcised in heart and mind your uh, judgment does not matter. Your if it's not of the Lord, it's trash. Your judgment's trash, and so know where you stand. Your judgment's trash. But verse twelve, there is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? And just so that you novice reprobates out there that don't like to hear any type of correction at all from anybody. And you start calling out, don't judge me, don't judge. That's the devil in you. Talk about that. Talking like that. Here you go. Verse 6, I'm sorry, chapter 6 of 1 Corinthians. Dare any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unjudged, not before the saints? Any matter at all. <coughs> the Bible doesn't want us to go to the courts and sue each other. And so that means that if we have legal matters, the things that are just not our opinions or things like that, but if there's actually something legal, we're supposed to take it to the church. The church is the higher court. And that's what's a better witness for us to be unified before the people of the world. Because they can detect disunity and uh, they also thrive on disunity because they're the devil, remember? Do you not know, verse 2, that the saints shall judge who? The world. All right, is this, I hope this is slicing that filthy lie you cleave to. Don't judge that lie. Slice it down. Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by who? You, the saints. Are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters? 
Know ye not that we shall judge the angels? Ooh, that's deep. How much more things that pertain to this life? This is a license for every single Bible-believing, surrendered to Jesus in heart and mind person to preach the gospel from the place of judgment and love because that is the heart of God is love. And so in that loving place, you're going to beat the people out of the temple and you correct them and rebuke them and call them vipers and snakes when they act like such to keep them from those behaviors and show them that there is a distinct separation between behaving and being that way and allowing the spirit of the world to be in you versus the spirit of God. These things are separate. Christ has no agreement with the devil. If ye then have judgments of things pertaining to this life, set them to judge who are least esteemed in the church. Well, you know what? Because you can just set them as judges who don't even know nothing, who the toes in the body, like me, and then you can put me right at the head of any topic or discussion <coughs> or anything. And you let me be the judge. Why? Because I'm going to open up the Bible and we're just going to read. It's God's judgment. It comes from the word of God. Plus, the Lord is going to anoint his people. So... He'll talk through a donkey. So if you know if you got judgments of things pertaining to this life, set them to judge who are least esteemed the church. Well, you know what? Get if two of the heads, excuse me, heads of the church are arguing, then get the, this little toe, put him at the a front, and ask him to look up the Bible and see what it says. Hallelujah. All right. Um, and then he says. I speak this to your shame. I speak to your shame because he's looking at these judgeless Christians and he's a, you're a shame. What a shame to be a Christian who yells out, don't judge. Or to be the kind of Christian that fights in front of the lost people. Uh, is it so that there is not a wise man among, among you? No, not one that shall be able to judge between his brethren. But brother goeth to law with brethren... That before the unjust. Oh, boy. Now, therefore, there is utterly fault among you. Okay. So, uh, I actually have had the hiccups for a while. And I've been taking teaspoons of sh sugar to quail them. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and stop here. Well, I want us to get through the book of, um, excuse me, Corinthians. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, James. I want us to get through James. Um, but... Uh, well, that's going to happen, Lord willing, in this season. And so, uh, God bless you. God keep you. Um, yep, we're going to we're going to go ahead and end. Um, so may the Lord bless your reading and study. May you be kept. May you understand uh, how much the Lord loves you, and that because you know how much the Lord loves you, you want to keep His commandments and serve Him all the days of your life. Uh, because there's nothing better than to serve God, than to walk after him, to walk in his ways, and to um, really receive the blessing of God, which is the blessing of God is the presence of God. Having the presence of God, that is the blessing. It's a blessing to be able to have the presence of God. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Amen. So the presence of God is what you want to have. So get in the spirit of God, get in the presence of God of God. Read and pray and seek the Lord. If you seek the Lord, you will live. If you, 
if you don't seek the Lord, then you'll be deceived and you'll die and you'll end up being in hell and you'll be full of regret. And you don't want that for, for you at all. So seek the Lord and live. God bless you. God keep you. Uh, and until next time, praise the Lord. Lord, only to him are the great hidden secrets. I'll fear not the darkness when my flame shall dim. I know not what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. It's a secret known only to Him. In this world of fear and doubt, on my knees I ask the question, why a lonely heavy cross I must bear? Then he tells me in my prayer It's because I am trustworthy He gives me strength Far more than my share Known only to him Are the great hidden secrets I fear darkness when my flame shall dim I know not what the future holds but I know who holds the future it's a secret not only